0: All right, welcome to a very unique episode here of The Patrick Carr Show. Um, Full disclosure, I am live on a few different platforms right now on Instagram, Facebook, and we'll get it up to YouTube as soon as possible. Now, I did say this is a unique show, everybody. It's unique because of the topic at hand. Approximately one week ago, after coming back from a New Year's Eve break, um, I saw a post from the Florida Roofing and Sheet Metal Association, a large group based here in the state of Florida. And the post surprised me. You can find it at FL Roof on Instagram. You can find it right there. The post, which was made on 1-2, said Team FRSA wins big in insurance reform. And for me, this was shocking. Um, I'm able to be out there with contractors on a consistent basis in the state of Florida, and I had not heard one contractor, hell, not one individual, say that Senate Bill 2A was any kind of win for Florida contractors. In my opinion, it was one more gift to big insurance. So... As we do this show, the main thing that I do is I always say don't hide behind a screen. And when you don't hide behind a screen, it means that you give people a call. You try to talk to them, hear their side of the story. I made a post along with that commenting on that, saying how much I adamantly disagree with their opinion. Shortly thereafter, I called and spoke with a woman by the name of Lisa. She was very good. She listened to what we had to say. I thought there were some chances here we could try to find a middle ground in why they chose to do what they do, why they called this a big win. Later I would speak, four days later, with a gentleman by the name of Mike, a gentleman that I could not disagree with more. Um, And so I want to make a few statements regarding my conversation right now with the Florida Roofing and Sheet Metal Association. Number one, I think that most people would agree on these statements. You don't need to be a priest in this world to know that adultery is wrong. You don't need to be a police officer to know that if you steal something from someone, you're breaking the law. And you don't need to be a car mechanic to know that your engine is not running correctly. And you don't need to be a contractor to comment on things that are going on in the contracting world. I believe that FRSA believes that you should be, or at least it holds more weight when you are. I would also say this, just because you haven't been in business for 50 or 100 years does not mean your opinion is any less valid. No matter how long you do business or no matter your your job that you call um, yours, you can always have an opinion on something. Who chooses to listen to you is completely up to you. And that's my first statement to FRSA. Yes, I don't represent anybody but myself. I'm not a licensed contractor. And I haven't been in business or doing business in Florida for 100 years. But I am right about Senate Bill 2A. You're wrong. Most contractors in this state, as I'm going to explain, do not agree with Senate Bill 2A. And do not consider it to be a win. Now, you may look after your constituents, the people who pay you money every year, but I don't think you're doing them justice. I don't think you're doing right by those people, and that is the point of me being here today. Not to prove anybody is wrong, but when you are, somebody should explain why. Somebody should explain why you are detached from the reality on the ground. I furthermore want to say this before I jump into the reasons. I don't have to do this stuff. I don't get paid to do YouTube. But what I do do is what I do say is this. If I get on the phone with an individual, Mike, over at FRSA and I speak with you, I expect respect. And now the last statement that I made about their organization being detached from reality, I was met with laughter. And to me, that is not acceptable. When people try to share their opinions, when people try to work towards something that is good for everyone, then what we need to do is respect those opinions, not be an individual who tries to demean them in some way? I hope that FRSA will take a look at the communication they have with the public, contractors, and people that are concerned about both to make a better decision in how they are represented. With furthermore, that's the reason that I'm here. Let's talk about Senate Bill 2A and what it truly means. Again, I want to go back to their post made on the 2nd of January. And to start us out with, I want to say that the most important thing that we do. Is understand that we completely disagree on why the post was even necessary. As you'll see in the post when you take a look, it was meant to, they say it's a good thing that FRSA supported this because it's going to stabilize the insurance market, right? We're going to bring competition back into the game because those poor insurance companies are bleeding out left and right. They're having to leave the state of Florida and we need to stabilize the market as they say. I say this is completely BS they don't need to stabilize the market. We need to hold assurance companies accountable to the laws that are already on the books. Contractors, AOBs, they are not the problem, nor first-party attorneys. It is the greed of carriers in this state. And I'm going to prove it right now. So when I talked to FRSA, and I mentioned this, They, of course, responded with the normal fraud that insurance companies and all the bills that these first-party attorneys are raising up and then costing insurance companies such big money. I responded by asking them one question, which I'm going to ask you right now. How much? How much are insurance companies bleeding out? How much money are they losing? Tell me. Crickets. You'll have crickets in your head for that. I do. And so will anybody else in the state of Florida, including legislators. But over and over and over again in this state, we continue to make concessions to big insurance. 2014, it started with sinkholes. 2019, AOB reform. The list goes on. Senate Bill 2D and 40, and Senate Bill 2A. All of these going one step further to hurt contractors and help only one group, the carriers in this state. No one else has been helped by this. For years, haven't we been promised that insurance premiums are going to go down? And it's never happened. And it never will. So if these companies are bleeding out, shouldn't we at least hold them to the bill that, allowed, that, that forced them to release their books? Senate Bill 76 was already law, and it's been law now for, what, 18 months or so? And in Senate Bill 76, it required insurance carriers to release their books January of 2022. But did it happen? Of course it didn't. The Office of Insurance Advocacy, David Altmaier and his team, elected not to make that happen arbitrarily. They just said, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to push it back. And it's been pushed back through two special sessions without any books having to be released. And yet, we want to believe that they're losing money, right? But you have no way of knowing that. We're just supposed to take insurance companies' word for it that they are losing money. But since that is the case, I decided to dig a little bit deeper. I'm not sure that FRSA did. And what I looked at was the two companies in Florida that are publicly traded. That's the only two that we have. We can go by their numbers because they cannot hide a shareholder's report. And so those two companies are Universal and Heritage. And just for the sake of time, I want to read you off some of Universal's stats last year, third quarter of 2022. They're the only ones that we have available. Hopefully, we'll have the fourth quarter here soon. Now, these are what they are telling their shareholders they're telling them much different of a story than what they're telling our media and obviously the information that is reaching FRSA. So first I wanna say this, I chose Universal because they're a Florida-based company. And when I mentioned these statistics to FRSA, their response was, is that only Florida or are you talking about the entire company? So don't worry, I'm gonna address both right here because they haven't done the research. Let me explain, third quarter of 2022, Shareholders report direct premiums. That's the money coming into this organization. And 2022 third quarter is up 15.6% over the same quarter in 2021. Folks, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars here. And I'm going to go into that in a minute. Hundreds of million more dollars coming into this organization. I'm going to tell you exactly where it comes from because it's not the rest of the United States. But does that sound like a company that is, I don't know, struggling to stay well or struggling to stay in the state of Florida? Sure as heck don't think so. In fact, they aren't even losing over there while they're telling everybody else they're bleeding out. Here's what Stephen Donaghy, their CEO, told shareholders in the third quarter of 2022, and I quote here, quote, despite our $1 billion in estimated gross loss from Hurricane Ian, we have a $3 billion reinsurance tower in place for a subsequent event in the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season, in, and our consolidated retention would be meaningfully lower Highlighting the strength and breadth of our catastrophe reinsurance program, end quote. Folks, here's what you have to understand. Insurance carriers in the state of Florida are paying 46 cents on every dollar that comes in from you to a reinsurance market that reinsures them. The losses they take are insured. Your insurance company has a reinsurance market. And if that is not enough, they now have multiple plans in place from the state like RAP with billions of dollars put into them, that these insurance carriers can tap into after a catastrophic loss. That is not fair, everyone. And this lie that they are telling this state that they are bleeding out and having to leave is absolute crap. I mean, what, Avatar had to leave with their 30-some-odd thousand policies? Lighthouse had to leave because they couldn't keep things in control over in Louisiana? The list goes on and on. It's not contractor's fault, FRSA. Sometimes it is carriers that you're saying are telling you the truth, but they're not. They're once again pulling our wool over our eyes, telling us a false narrative, and for some reason we continue to believe this, that if we just give them what they want, then things will get better. I I remember I talked to them on Friday. They said, sometimes you got to swing the pendulum to the other side to come back to the middle. No, you don't. Sometimes you have to tell people they're wrong. Sometimes you have to hold people's feet to the fire. Sometimes it can't be a pushover. And to me, that's exactly what I see here. Now, I'm going to go over some other statistics. And you, again, tell me if it sounds like these companies are really bleeding out. They don't have any money. How about revenue? Overall revenue was up 8.9% in the third quarter of 2022 over third quarter of 2021. Core revenue up 10.5% over the previous quarter. Direct premiums written, $507 million. That's the one that's up 15.6 percent over the third quarter of 21. In their actual shareholders report, they say this: the increase stems from a 16.3 percent growth in Florida and a 12.7 percent growth in other states. Florida is leading the way, and their direct premiums written—they're writing more more premiums in Florida. So think about this for a minute. If they are bleeding out and Florida is such a bad place to do business, why are they contributing more revenue coming in from Florida than anywhere else? They're writing more policies here than anywhere, but yep, again, they're losing money and have to flee the state. Net premiums were at $290.6 up 9.8% over the th- same quarter. This is what they say about that. Quote, the increase is primarily attributed to higher direct premiums earned. Hey guys, they're making more money because they're writing more policies in Florida as we just said. And they're charging more for them in Florida. But yet, they don't want to do business here. Folks, this is the numbers that we have. Those are the facts coming from their shareholders report. And anybody out there who says, no, 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 that's wrong, all we have is what is given to us. So that is what I go by. Heritage, making money. Universal, the largest private carrier in the state of Florida, making money. They do not need more concessions. We don't need to give any more to what is happening there in Tallahassee. We need to start showing homeowners that they are the greedy ones. Stop this narrative, especially if it's coming from a large organization like FRSA, that contractors need to change more of how they do business so that we get more from these insurance companies. No, we don't. We need to hold insurance companies accountable, change the narrative as an industry to them being the problem. Nobody else, everyone. So I think hopefully we've shown here that this is the basis For making this argument that we need reform in Florida and contractors need to give something, and my opinion, is completely false. There are no other numbers to go by except for Heritage and Universal because you don't know the other numbers because we haven't held anybody accountable since Senate Bill 76. The next thing that the FRSA touts as being a win is that they have gotten rid of those pesky AOBs, everybody. For those of you who are not familiar, AOBs are your assignment of benefits that some contractors, very good ones, use following a storm. And so the way it works, again, if we just have viewers that are watching, when when you sign an AOB after a loss, you're assigning the benefits of that claim over to a contractor. This also allows them to speak on your behalf to, let's say, an insurance carrier. And so when we talk about getting rid of AOBs, I want to ask you the first question. Who do you think an insurance carrier who's making money, which we've already shown, wants to deal with everyone? Do they want to deal with a contractor who's filed 1,000 claims and understands what's necessary to put a home back to pre-loss condition? Or do you believe they want to talk to Ms. Maple, who has one claim she did 30 years ago, is on a fixed income, and has no idea what her home needs? If you're a for-profit business trying to maximize the amount of money and the cost that you have, minimize that, of course you want to talk to Ms. Maple. We already got insurance reform in 2019, and at that time, carriers were telling us, if you just make these changes, we're going to be good. It took three years for them to go back on their word. Three. And so now we don't have AOBs. And so here's how it's going to work, which obviously has not been thought about or maybe discussed in the post that FRSA made. When you have a major storm, a, somebody is going to come out there and do some emergency mediation to your house, mitigation. They're going to do some things like dry the place out, maybe get the floors ready. They're going to cut out the walls, do everything. Once you have a flood move in or you got to tarp the house, emergency services there. What they normally do is they always make you sign an AOB. That AOB allows them to do the work immediately for you, the homeowner. And that way they know they're going to get paid back because the check is going to come in their name. Without that, What you have to do is sign a contingency agreement saying that once that money comes in, contingent on them doing the work, they're going to get paid. Now, in a perfect world, that's exactly how it would work. But here's how it works on the ground if we just think one step deeper, everybody. Once you go out and have a hurricane, people are at a loss about what they can do. They may not have a car. They may not be able to get to work. Their work may not even be available to them. They've got expenses that are piling up, and they still got to put food on the table especially when you're in low income or fixed income housing. These people are very much affected. And so if you have that, when somebody shows up and they say, sign this contingency agreement, the person says, great, I'll do that. Get to work. A couple of weeks later, a big check comes in, 30,000, 40,000, sometimes the biggest check an individual's ever seen, but they have things they need to get done. Always. Of course you would. And I can't blame an individual for that. So when that check comes in, They go, well, listen, I've already got this stuff, emergency services stuff, but I need a roof on my house. i got to get my screen back together. My car, I'm in a a rental right now. I could use a down payment on that because that's ruined. Whatever it might be, the money starts to go other places. And so we all know where this goes. A contractor still deserves to get his money, and the only way they can do that is by leaning the home. So the next storm that we have, congratulations, legislators. Congratulations to the people who support him that we're talking about here. You're going to have an increased number of liens. And the only way you can consu- um, I'm sorry, the only way you can secure that lien in the state of Florida is by filing foreclosure. So when you file the lien, you're going to have attorney fees put onto it. You're going to have fees for collections and late fees. And when you file the foreclosure, even more fees are going to be put on top of that. And there'll only be a few options that homeowners have: the option to get on a payment plan with extremely high interest to not pay and watch those just continue to pile up? And if they do, are they going to lose their home? Perhaps. And the people, again, that that's going to disenfranchise are low income and fixed housing. And it should not be that way. Not when we have the AOB that is available right now. That AOB was available, but not anymore. So now we have contingency agreements across the board. Does that make anybody happy? It shouldn't. Furthermore, Since 2019, we've already put stuff into place that protects homeowners from AOBs. For instance, having to start work in a certain amount of time so that out-of-state contractor can't run away with the money. These things are already in place, helping homeowners, especially right now that we saw down there in Ian. And do you see somebody coming forward to the news stations, which would happily run the story? Do you see them coming forward and saying, hey, these people screwed me out of money and left town? No, because we've already solved the problem. Big insurance painted a picture that they needed this gone because there's so many problems with AOB that we already solved back in 2019. But now what we need is we need no AOBs. That's putting the homeowner out there on an island, and I don't want that. So maybe you do. Maybe your contractor is tired of AOBs, and that's okay. Sure, have your opinion. But the people that will be mo- hurt the most are going to be homeowners trying to argue against and justify things with an insurance company who has one thing in mind to make profit, and we've already shown they're making plenty of that already. So why, Patrick? I mean, why do people not like AOBs? It seems like it's a cut and dry case. Well, it has to do with attorneys. See, with AOBs, a contractor takes it on, assigns it over to an attorney who they believe is going to sue an individual right away. And surely, I do believe there are attorneys who have taken advantage of the laws. And so they sue right away and they, they drag the thing out is what they're telling me. And if they do that, that means the homeowner doesn't get what they need quick enough and attorney is making a lot of fees and the contractor is making their money, but somebody is just not the right thing. It's taking advantage of the system. And you know what? I do agree that there are attorneys who do take advantage of the system. However, though, why don't we make that the problem? If that is the issue with AOBs, then talk about penalties for attorneys. And if it is such a problem, all this fraud, where are my attorneys who are getting arrested for this fraud? Again, crickets, everybody, because they're not. Fraud cannot be defined as simply something that is not good for an insurance carrier or something that actually benefits a homeowner at the expense of an insurance carrier. Fraud is when you do something illegal, and that's not being done here. And you could say the laws are skewed in the wrong way, but they're not hurting over there. And in fact, I'll take a case from the Tampa Tribune couple years back, go look it up, and I'm just going to approximate here. They said that there was a claim that was $735,000 that was paid out. Claim originally began as 18000 And so you go through this whole thing, this whole article that our, our wonderful media puts together about how much of a problem this is. All these fees that got added, they had to pay out close to three quarters of a billion, or what is it, three quarters of a million dollars on this one claim. What I ask is this, If a judge at the end of that trial decides that the homeowner is right and awards them everything, then couldn't we have avoided all of those fees by just doing what was right in the beginning? Of course we could. So these fees that they're accruing right now do two things, everybody. They're the only thing that actually holds the feet to the fire for the carriers to move the case forward. Carriers otherwise can sit on the case as long as they want, and that is what we're going to see now. We're going to see carriers looking at people and going, what you going to do? At least when we had attorney fees available to these individuals, those attorney fees could go up as they fought the case. And as they went up, it put pressure on carriers to close out the case. So if carriers are going to win all the time, this could stop easily. They would fight the case. They would win. And all of a sudden, we'd stop filing these cases because they did the right thing. And when I say we, I'm talking about an industry, not talking about me out there, FRSA. So when they do that, it holds their people accountable on the insured, or I'm sorry, on the insurance side. If you don't do that, there is no sense of urgency to do anything at all. The attorneys are the ones who are making that happen. And that's not all. As a third point I want to make, and I, I can't believe that they actually thought this was good. When they say you're removing one way attorney fees, which actually don't exist, what we're doing is we're pushing people to two things that now insurance companies have the opportunity to offer all of the insured when the next renewal pops around. So first, you've already taken, you already took away the fees, you took away for the insurance attorneys can earn, and you took away AOBs. So now, what they're also doing in this bill is they now made it law that in the next renewal, insurance companies can offer two things in their renewal, binding arbitration and manage to repair programs. You already got rid of your attorneys, so now people are on their own, right? So binding arbitration will be offered as two policies, one that has it and one that doesn't. And ask, me, do you think homeowners know what binding arbitration is going to mean or how it even works? They don't, and insurance companies know this. So they're going to get a policy. Let me talk about the second one first. The second one would be managed repair programs. They're going to be able to offer that. It used to be that it was only American Integrity that went at that. Now all carriers will. And they'll have a separate policy that has managed repair and not managed repair. The best way to look at this is like an HMO versus a PPO within your health health insurance. A PPO, you can go to anybody in and out of network. HMO, you got one doctor in an area that you can go to. That's exactly what they're going to offer. You can go to one contractor here, or you can go to multiple contractors over here. And it'll be less of a charge if you decide to go with their HMO plan. So... The way that's going to work, I think it's just so crazy to me. Anybody could support this. Insurance companies will put out a couple different plans that people can renew with. They'll have cheap, cheap plans, or much cheaper, that have managed repair programs, and they have uh, binding arbitration. So when they do that, all right, people are going to look at it and go, well, okay, you know, managed repair, whatever. Binding arbitration sounds better than, you know, having something where I have to go to court. And so they'll choose that. That means that now, if there's a problem, everyone— I don't know. With the with uh, their their determination, they get denied or they get underpaid. They won't even be able to take that that carrier to court. They'll have to do binding arbitration. Go sit in front of somebody across the table, like a uh, unexperienced person, lay out their case in front of billion dollar attorneys, and those billion dollar attorneys are going to crush them in court. They're not even or an arbitration. They're not even going to know what happened. Oh and by the way when they do that they're then going to owe attorney fees for the insurance company. That's right. They're going to have to pay the insurance company. So if you're a homeowner on a fixed income, low budget, something along those lines, would you take the risk of even going to arbitration knowing you don't even know what you don't know and if you lose you're going to have to pay let's say 15,000 in attorney fees for the opposite side? Of course not. And if you had to go to court knowing you have to pay your attorney now cuz one-way attorney fees are gone. Would you take them to court over $20,000 knowing that you might have to pay seven or 8000 on a dismissal? Of course you wouldn't. This is what's called restricting access to the court system for homeowners in the state of Florida and restricting access and the ability for contractors and attorneys to hold insurance carriers accountable. That's it. So we charge less of a premium because we have less risk and liability in the insurance carriers. They're not doing that out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because with a managed repair program, they can choose the contractor that an individual works with. They can own the contracting company, everyone. So you call up someone thinking you're getting a a person that is going to give you the best option of of the uh, contractor that you're going to work with. They give you one because that's all that you have access to, and that one is actually owned by your insurance company. They actually take the money, they give you, You pay the contractor, and then boom, it goes right back into the insurance company. Again, though, they are really bleeding out over here in the state of Florida in the way that they do business. All right. And the last thing that I want to mention here, okay, everyone, they touted in their post that there was a big plus in this thing. Uh, FRSA, again, go back and look at their post on, I believe it's uh, 1-2-2023. One of the points they made, and the last point I want to go ahead and rebut right here, is that one of the big things is we moved our determination of coverage time from 60 days down to 30 days. Wow, good, okay, we can make a coverage decision quicker. But what they forget to tell you is the two points that come after that. Number one, OIR, the Office of Insurance Advocacy, used to be David Altmeyer and his team, they can arbitrarily move that back up to 60 at any time that they want, following a major storm, and that's when you're gonna want that determination of coverage quicker. But you know that's not what's going to happen. The reason they put that in there Is because when it is time that you need them to make a quick decision, they're going to move that back up to 60 days without even a question. That's when we need it the most, but they forget to tell you that part. The other thing they forget to tell you, a couple sentences below that, is that now insurance carriers are going to offer electronic adjustments. You're going to have the option again, along with binding arbitration and um, our managed repair programs, to go ahead and click on electronic adjustments, everyone, because that'll save you a few dollars every quarter, every year. So, what you're going to get there is they don't even have to come out to your house to do the adjustment. They're going to force homeowners to go in and take the pictures and send it into them. Maybe they'll come out and fly a drone above the home. That's what they mean by electronic adjustments. And when you're a homeowner in this state, what you want is somebody to talk to, somebody to come out there and lead you and help you through what is probably the trying time in your life. Nope. They know that they're going to have managed repair programs to choose the contractor that they want. They're going to have binding arbitration if you don't like their decision, and they know they're not even going to have to come out to your house to give you an adjustment. But don't worry, guys. We gave you a little nibble over here. Take your little scraps of your 60 down to 30 days and call it a win for contractors in the state of Florida instead of what it is, just scraps off the table for Florida contractors and Florida homeowners. It should not be acceptable to anyone. So, in closing, as I'm sure you can tell, I do not agree with FRSA's assessment. I think I have laid out here the numbers and the reasons that most contractors and most Floridians do not agree with this at all. For instance, we've eliminated AOBs for no reason. We've restricted consumers' access to the court system. We provided them with the option now for binding arbitration. We restricted consumers across the board. Restricted their access to contractors. We're pretending to provide consumers with quicker coverage decisions. We're allowing for electronic adjustments instead of people coming out during your worst time to see you in person. We provided a system now that is going to be made for liens and foreclosures to disenfranchise low income individuals and those on a fixed income. In this all, all of this, contractors, what did you get? What did you win? Out there. I mean, the largest advocate for roofing contractors thinks this is a big win. And that's what I would ask you. What did you get? How did you win here? And I believe if you do that and you look at this 112 page bill, you'll see you got nothing once again. Maybe you should like it. I don't. I don't speak for any contractor, I don't speak for homeowners, but I sure as hell can look at a situation and say, It's messed up. I'm sick and tired of organizations sitting up there touting anything as a win that is only a win for big insurance year in and year out. And I will make this kind of stuff all the time because contractors deserve better. Contractors in the state are good contractors. Attorneys are good attorneys helping homeowners and helping contractors do their job. I hope that FRSA sees this and says, you know what? Instead of being angry with Patrick, instead of laughing or considering it to be some kind of kid's joke, my hope is that they will listen. They will make adjustments. They will say, you know what, maybe we need more input from our constituents. Maybe we need to ask for more questions and ask them what they want. They say they have here. I say they're wrong. I'll let you be the judge if you believe that Senate Bill 2A is a win for anyone other than than big insurance. All right, everybody. I went a little bit longer on this one. And the reason I did is because this is essential to blue-collar contractors here in the state of Florida. Comment below. Let me know on YouTube if you think Senate Bill was a win. Senate Bill 2A was a win for you. Or do you feel once again like you're just having to jump over hoops in Florida as a contractor and consumer to just get what is rightfully yours? All right. Very special episode. Thank you all very much for joining me. Thank you to everybody on the live feeds. I do this stuff live because I think it's important that you see the authenticity that we bring to this thing. This is not something we take 10 takes for. We don't try to edit anything out. These are my legitimate feelings. I challenge FRSA to do the same. Let me see. Tell your people why you think this is a big win. Give us the statistics to why it is. Tell us what this is going to mean to help contractors and help homeowners in the state. I'm confident if you do a little bit of reflection that perhaps you'll exactly do that. Thank you, everybody, for joining The Patrick Carr Show. Until next time, subscribe, let us know you care, comment below, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take it easy.